I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Come on up here. This is my, you know my brother, he's been here. He keeps coming back. He's just like a bad habit. You know, he keeps coming back. But uh, Becky and Gary are here visiting us, and so I thought, why don't you preach, Gary? You're a retired guy. You don't have nothing to do. No, actually, uh, you know, Gary led me to Christ, and he's been my mentor for all these years. I call him just about once a week, and he puts the screws on me. And, and uh, anyway, when we were little, we had a doting mother, you know. And there's nothing wrong with that. My, we love mom. You know, God bless mom. She's in heaven. She's with Jesus. She loved the Lord. But she would, she would, oh, she just loved us, you know. And she'd put her hair, you know, comb her hair like perfect. And, you know, here's Dave, you know, stand on your head. You know, with company comes over. Here, watch Dave stand on his head. Or watch Gary play the piano. Or, you know, do the hula hoop, boys. Do the hula hoop. You know, so, you know, we're performing for the guests that would come to our house. And one of the things that we did, uh, she taught us a song. And it's just a little ditty of a song, and she would make us sing this song. And actually, so David is taking her place and making us sing it for you. <laughs> Imagine me six, him three, and us singing. But it has a lot to do with what was going on yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. And this song actually is Rich still here? Did he go home and eat some breakfast and coming back for the next service? Anyway, Rich is the executive director of the Boy Scouts. This became. The theme song for the Boy Scouts in the 50s. So here it goes. It just goes. Make America proud of you in everything you say or do. Make America proud to say that you're a son or a daughter of the USA. In America, you are free to write your name in history. So it's up to you. Now what are you going to do to make America proud of you? <laughs> so we had a little time restraint on the first service, but just go for it, Gary. Yeah, we'll see. I, uh, that, that song, I was thinking about this, that song is basically encouraging us to be an answer or part of God's answer to the prayers we were praying for our nation all day yesterday. Just saying. Uh, what the, oh, is, is it time for scripture now? Here we go. I'm going to have you stay seated for the scripture. Because it's long, uh, and we're going to stand up for the second reading, which is much shorter, but, uh, and it's the gospel reading. But for here... I want to just say this before we read. All Christians have doubts. But one of my favorite theologians, Frederick Beekner, was fond of saying this. 
He said, doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. They keep it alive and moving. Doubts are not sins. If you let those doubts make you a seeker and you seek truth and faith because of it. So, if you have doubts about the scripture I'm about ready to read, as I have had throughout my life, I'm asking you to suspend your disbelief as I read. And just imagine. Listen as you sit and imagine God, the great, sovereign, and almighty God we worship, making all that is just as Scripture describes it by the word of his mouth day by day. Ready? Hear the word of the Lord. In the beginning, maybe you should close your eyes. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening. And there was morning. The first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. And let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the waters That were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. God said let the earth sprout vegetation. Plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed. Each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation. Plants yielding seed according to their own kinds and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. To rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning. 
the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying, be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters in the seas, let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning. The fifth day. God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. Livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And the livestock according to their kinds. And everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning. The sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. If you are able, will you stand with me for the gospel reading? John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, and then John verse one, chapter 1, verse 14, which helps us understand those verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only 
Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Pray with me. Oh Lord, we come to you. Lord, there's, we have so often been tempted to discount, disbelieve, write off the words we have read this day. Instead, we're asking you to help us come to grips with them. Lord, please come and help me. If you leave me here all by myself, I'll just make a mess of it. But if you come through your spirit, you can birth and renew and restore faith in each one of us. Starting with me, in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat. This is the uh, first part of this message is a bit autobiographical. The second part is, uh, is more uh, dealing with the doctrine, the teaching of creation, what it means for us. I can remember when I stopped believing in the factual nature of the events described in Genesis 1 through Genesis 11. The account I've just read to you in Genesis 1 was at the heart of it. I was in junior high, walking my usual eight blocks to school when I made a conscious decision. And that was to accept all that I had been learning in science class at school about evolution. And then to force all of that, like a mold or a template, over, and that's an important word, over what Scripture said. Later, I can remember thinking, hmm, a day isn't always a 24-hour day. A day is as a thousand years. Uh, I can remember thinking, eh, the sun, the moon, and the stars, they weren't created till the fourth days. Besides, it's, it's, it's poetry. Huh? I can remember shedding real tears. And to be honest, it still tears me up. Real tears at the end of a film you young people might not have seen. And I'm not recommending it, necessarily. Although it's good. It's called Inherit the Wind. And when the lead actor, Spencer Tracy, as the lawyer defending a teacher's right to teach evolution in the public school back in 1925, takes the Bible in one hand and Darwin's Origin of Species, the evolution handbook in the other, weighs the two, slaps them together, sticks them under his arm and walks confidently out of the courtroom. I shed tears because I thought to myself as a young person, that's what I believe. Slap them together, stick them. Now I'm old, I admit it, and I'm wondering, where are those who would defend a teacher's right to teach creation in the public school? We've come a long way in just under 100 years. My journey back to faith in the accounts of Genesis is part of what I want to share with you today. It began with just simply my hunger for the supernatural. Don't you want to see miracles? I tried to satisfy that hunger in all the wrong ways by 
forays into the world of the occult. Don't go there. They don't satisfy. They left me in a sorry state. And at the bottom of the moral barrel, I finally cried out to Jesus while walking in a park near my college back in 1972. Those who discipled me, a young Christian, were part of the Holy Spirit's move in Illinois at the time. And I began to experience the power I had always longed for by reading the New Testament especially with new, fresh eyes and experiencing the Lord's power to heal me and to free me from besetting sins and to deliver me from demons, to make worship bust with energy and to set my life on a new course. I had found his power. Yet with all this, somehow I was able to separate the God of my salvation from the God of creation. The God of my salvation from the God of my creation. You can be saved and believe in evolution. Of course. It never occurred to me that the inspired inspired writers I had become Gun to appreciate in the New Testament actually believed that stuff in Genesis. <laughs> they did. And even Jesus believed that stuff in Genesis. After all, he was there. John 1 teaches us. So I became a youth pastor, a seminary student, a United Methodist minister for many years without believing Genesis 1 through 11. Without that foundation, for that's what it is, a foundation that I'm hoping uh, to renew in you and in me. Over time, two things were happening in me. As a believer in Jesus Christ and the Bible, I hung out with other believers who believed in the Bible and in Jesus Christ. They challenged me to reconsider the historical nature of Genesis. As homeschooling parents, Becky and I, hi Becky, there you are, there's my wife back there, you can all look at her for a second, then come right back here, good. Becky and I were amazed at the faith element we discerned in the secular textbooks of evolutionary science. We remember thinking, you know what, it takes as much faith to believe Darwin as it does to believe the Bible. There are more guesses and assumptions with him than with this sure and certain word that we trusted. So this encouraged us to explore the ministry, and I recommend it to you, Answers in Genesis. And that's one of many such ministries. And the Creation Museum in northern Kentucky. We took the boys there when they were that impressionable junior high age that I was when I stopped believing. At first, I was just glad there were scientists who saw no conflict between observable science and the accounts of Genesis. But this has grown into a fresh faith in the foundational facts of all first 11 chapters of Genesis. And then, when, this is amazing, you guys, 
When the ark landed just 40 miles from our retirement home in Kentucky, we've enjoyed many opportunities to hear the founder of Answers in Genesis, Ken Ham, and many other PhD scientists speak and to take friends and family to visit the ark encounter. Now, any of you that travel to Kentucky and want personal tours, you know, when COVID's over, so much over that you're not afraid to travel again, come on down. You can stay at our house. We'll take you to the ark. It is breathtaking because it is literally biblical in its proportions. While I was reclaiming faith in God and Jesus and these accounts in Scripture, our culture has trended in precisely the opposite direction. Faith in Scripture, belief in God, or even belief in the existence of truth are in a 70-year decline and have reached the place where even Christian sociologists like George Barna are calling the United States a post-Christian nation. And this culture of ours has infected the body of Christ. Evangelical, traditionally Bible-believing churches and universities and seminaries have given ground. Our son Danny, while attending the most conservative seminary, that was, a, that was a slip, Dave, seminary, still allowed in the United Methodist Church, was appalled at the faculty's mocking distinction for the kooks building the ark and for anyone who believed in a worldwide flood or a six-day creation. I've come to see that the context of the phrase from 2 Peter 3.8, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day, has nothing to do with the meaning of the word day found in Genesis 1. In fact, in every single Hebrew use of the word yom, which is day, where days are numbered as they are in Genesis 1, we're talking about 24-hour days. In every single Hebrew use of the word yom, or day, where the phrase evening and morning, that's the day in Israel, is used, it refers to a 24-hour day. And here in Genesis 1, we have both. Folks, I've become a literalist, I admit it. Walk with me through just a small portion of the Bible's testimony to creation as a foundational doctrine in Scripture, which deserves its place in the first sentence of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. In fact, many of the hot-button issues of the day would be answered if people just believed Genesis 1 through 11. And much of what we believe as Christians is rooted in the first chapters of Genesis. I'm just going to have time to give you a sample today. But follow me. First, creation affirms the incredible power of God's word. Uh, What method did God use to create the world? He spoke it. The writer of Hebrews affirms this 
literally. New Testament affirming old. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. As you probably remember from Dave's COVID series through Hebrews 11, we were faithful attenders, weren't we, honey, of Calvary Church all through COVID. Online, so to speak. We'd watch our son's service, then we'd watch Calvary. You were great, Dave. I just want you to know. Holy moly. Makes me afraid to preach here. He's such a good preacher. I love it. But you remember from Hebrews 11 how the word of faith begins with creation. If, if God can speak the world into existence out of nothing, what amazing things could he speak into existence in our lives? And what an amazing ministry he might have for us. Should we speak godly things into existence? Maybe we should be speaking revival into existence in our nation. Huh? Didn't it? Creation is the basis for self-esteem and for true worship. Are you, do you not think highly of yourself? Well, listen to what uh, David said in the scriptures. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Once God had made people on the sixth day, God was able to look at all he had made and say it was very good. Not just good, but very good. So despite sin, folks, this quality of goodness in God's creative work continues today in you and in the womb of each mother. What implications does that have for the hot-button issue? The generational sin of our age. Creation is our first witness to God. Romans 1.20 For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have become have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Despite the sin Adam and Eve introduced into the world, creation retains enough of the glorious imprint of God that anyone can see it. We see a reflection of God in the vastness of the universe and in the intricacies of the DNA molecule. Dave quoted Psalm 19 two weeks ago. Let's say it again. The heavens declare the glory of God. Think of the last time. You are overwhelmed by God's glory in nature, in creation. These are the foundations. The foundation is creation, and on creation, so much more is built. Creation gives us confidence in prayer. You think we live in troubled times? Jeremiah was proclaiming God's word 
to a sin-soaked culture, a doomed nation, and a people about to be carried into exile, and they were the lucky ones. When Jeremiah was praying and weeping for his people, for God's people, he reminded God of the promises God had made, but began his prayer and rooted his prayer in creation. And I can show you places in the Bible where Isaiah does the same thing. And where New Testament prayers do the same thing. But this is just Jeremiah. Chapter 32, 17. Ah, sovereign Lord. You've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And then he goes on and pleads for God's people. Based on God's power and creation. And God honors Jeremiah's prayer by quoting Jeremiah right back at him. God says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? I just love it. See, this is the kind of praying, the kind of faith and the sort of answers we need in this troubled time. And what a privilege it was to pray with hundreds of thousands of people, if you include those online, all over the world with those gathered in those two events in Washington yesterday. And many of the prayers, I was listening for this, mentioned Creator God as the basis for why we even come to God. God can create the world. He could have created the world in, 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 in a moment, but He chose six days. Anyway, I get, I'll get off the track. Creation helps us understand our salvation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is well known. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is not the only time Paul uses the language of creation to help us understand what it means to be saved. But right here, we learn that we do not earn salvation any more than a created thing earns its creation. The new creation in Christ, just like creation, is by grace and God's will. Isn't that something? Creation teaches us human worth. Right there in Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. If we believe this, we could never abort a baby or write off another human being. That's why Mother Teresa ministered to the outcasts the discarded, the invisibles of Calcutta, India. That's why John Wesley and his brother Charles rode the death wagons with condemned criminals to their gallows. It's because they knew the value of every human life. Don't, don't write people off. Not in the womb and not out of the womb. Creation defines gender and marriage. Well, this is clear, but let me, let me just make sure you get this. Male and female, he created them. What could be clearer? God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And in chapter 2, the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable of equal standing for him. 
And then at the end of chapter 2, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Here's the kicker. Jesus believed that stuff literally and quoted it in Matthew 19 when asked about marriage and divorce. He said, have you not read? Have you not read? Meaning, have you not believed? Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? There's the gender issue answered. And then said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. There's what Jesus believed about marriage. So they are no longer two but one. What therefore God has joined together, let no one separate. Folks, in the face of the culture wars over these issues, what could be clearer? But, but of course, if Genesis is just a myth, what could be cloudier? I'm just asking. Creation teaches us the divinity of Christ. Our gospel reading from John puts Jesus at creation. That's why Jesus believes in the creation account, because he made it happen with his Father. Creating with God and, in fact, being God. And Paul agrees in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 8, verse 6. Yet for us, there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord Jesus Christ through whom all things came and through whom we live. Do you see it? Paul uses the same exact expression to describe God the Father and God the Son. There's so much more I could tell you, but I'm skipping to one last point. Follow me. Creation is the first truth to be proclaimed and received by a secular seeker. Now, hold on. Of course, when Billy Graham and other great revivalists were seeing thousands come to faith in Christ, their message was right and true and clear. You are lost. You are dead in sin. Hell-bound. But God loves you. And sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die in your place for that sin, so that if you believe, you might not perish, but be raised to life with the risen Jesus. But folks, listen. Billy Graham and Billy Sunday and Dwight L. Moody and all of their preaching was largely the people and a culture steeped in Judeo-Christian assumptions, which include the truths of Genesis 1 through 11. And folks, this is true of Peter and Paul's preaching for the most part, in the book of Acts as well. On the day of Pentecost, for example, the 3,000 saved were from all over the world, yes, but they were all Jews. Read the text, it's there. The one time Paul preached to a completely secular audience, Dave touched on it last week, was not unlike the culture we are becoming. Paul used a whole different tact. In Athens... Paul allowed himself to be appalled by false gods they worshipped. He looked for any signs of hunger for truth in Athens, like their altar to the unknown God. And Paul began his message on Mars Hill with creation. Hear it again. Listen. Read it. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and Lord of earth, does not live in temples made by man. 
nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. He made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Pause. If we want to reach a nation ripped apart by racial issues, the truth of Genesis helps us see that humanity is one race, various shades of brown, not black, white, red, and yellow. We are one race descended from one person, one couple, with various shades of brown. That's a whole other sermon. But if we want to reach a post-Christian nation like ours, we need to stand with our brothers and sisters in South America, in Africa, and in many parts of Asia who accept out of hand the facts, the miraculous truths of Genesis, and who, not coincidentally, can believe God for miracles and a mighty harvest in these last days as well. And who, in these last days, are sending missionaries and witnesses to us who once sent them to them. I repent of the years I tried to believe the world and the word. I repent of my unbelief. And I'm asking you today to join me. Will you pray? Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you. Thank you for doubts. But Lord, we don't want to stay in doubts. We want to let the doubts become like ants in our pants, driving us to faith. We repent of unbelief, Lord. The Bible writers believed with all their heart the truths of Genesis 1 through 11. And we want to join with them. We want to join with you because you believed in the truths of Genesis 1 through 11. Use our doubts to grow our faith in you and in your word. And grant us such confidence in you, O maker of heaven and earth, that we might live for you confidently and effectively today, tomorrow, and as long as we live. In Jesus' name, amen. Receive this benediction. This, this blessing. May the Lord melt the clouds of sin and sadness and drive the dark of doubt away in me, in you, in all of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.